Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Marissa Hagler. My pronouns are she, her, and welcome to Hurling Through Hard Times. Today's episode is an advice session about, I think, literally a million different things from being how to live in the moment to therapy, healing from betrayal, and quite literally a million more. So I asked you guys to send me all the ideas you could on Instagram, and I was so glad to have gotten so many back. So I picked out some of my favorites and we're going to go through them today and it's going to kind of be all over the place. I'm really excited about this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So starting things off, what color is your heart today? And let's see, I'm filming this on kind of like a cloudier day, I guess. It's been cloudy recently, but I'm, I'm feeling like a light gray today right now in this moment. I don't necessarily know why. I'm just like I'm feeling gray. Not necessarily in a bad way because I know some people kind of radiate gray as like a negative color, but I'm just feeling kind of like meh, like I'm kind of just here. You know what I mean? So that's probably what I would say. So to get things going off on this episode, I am so excited for this because like I love that people trust me enough to give them advice. And I definitely chose things that I think I could actually give advice on or things that I've at least experienced or learned about. So I'm excited for this. So let's let's just get straight into it. So the first thing that I have is how to trust your gut. And uh, I started off with a hard one just because I I always just go with my gut if I feel something is off, I feel something is wrong, I usually do trust my gut. I also rely on my friends when it comes to trusting my gut. So I'll talk to my friends about it. I'll mention it to them, say what I'm thinking. Because sometimes your gut is impulsive. So it's important to differentiate your gut feelings from being impulses to being like correct feelings. And there definitely is a difference. There's 1000% a difference. It also is a lot of trial and error because sometimes when it comes to trusting your gut, you trust it and then it doesn't work out right for you and that's okay. I mean like we're human, we're allowed to make mistakes. Growing up I never really felt like I could make mistakes so now being an adult or kind of an adult, I'm a new adult, young adult, but I think that it's important now as ever to make mistakes and to learn from them and as you go throughout life you make mistakes, you learn from them, you try again and this all comes from trusting your gut. So when it comes to trusting your gut, you kind of just have to like go for it. I mean, I've always been a very strategic person. So when it came to trusting my gut, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily want to do it. And I would like have to think things through very logically and like figure things out mathematically or whatever before I would trust my gut. And then if my gut was right, it was like, okay, cool. But I had to like do all this research, background checking on everything that my gut was telling me. And usually like I... I did end up going with my gut after the strategic research that I went through. So I don't know. I think trusting your gut is all just about that feeling within yourself. And it's something that you just kind of have to learn as time goes on as to whether or not you know this is a moment to trust your gut or this is a moment to trust like your heart or your brain. You know what I mean? So the next one that I have is how to live in the moment. And oh, I love living in the moment. I've been I've been trying to get better at it. I've been struggling a little bit. Um, I think part of living in the moment is getting rid of your phone. Not, don't like chuck it out a window or anything like that. But getting rid of your phone and just like social media is probably going to be the first step. Because when I go hiking or when I go to do things, 
I hate it, but sometimes my first idea is like, oh, I want to take a picture of this. I want to take a picture in front of this. I want to post this somewhere. And like, I would love to get to a point in my life when I'm not thinking about posting things on social media. Like, I just went on a trip to Texas this weekend, this past weekend, and I, part of, I, I think that this was a trip where I wasn't really on my phone a lot when I was with everyone. When Dee and I, because I went on this trip with um, my partner Dee and we surprised their family, which was really fun. But once, like, Dee and I were by ourselves, like, I was on my phone a lot. And, like, I could, like, that was frustrating for them because I wasn't living in the moment with them. I wasn't listening. And, like, that was frustrating. So they communicated that with me. And I realized, like, oh, like, I was trying to live in the moment so much earlier that I was trying to, like, catch up on not living in the moment, if you know what I mean. But... I think it, it's important to not use your electronics as much, even if you're with people, you know what I mean? Like, how to live in the moment, my biggest advice would just be to get rid of your phone, whether that means it's chucking it off a building or it's just deleting Snapchat or Instagram or whatever for a few days. But when it comes to living in the moment, you have to be present. And in order to be present, you usually have to get rid of your electronic devices and or at least the apps on them, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, I think, the biggest advice that I could give on how to live in the moment, you know? So the next thing that I have is someone asked, how to get over an abusive ex? And this is one that I chose, but it's not necessarily one that I have personal experience with. I've never had an abusive ex. But I know from my friends' experiences that therapy was probably their savior. So... Having a good community and having good friends is a huge part of that. Like you, I feel like you just need to have a good support system in general, especially when it comes to having an ex that may be verbally abusive, financially, um, physically, like having people that you trust and love is very important, whether or not they knew, because sometimes, you know, you can't tell your friends about an ex that may, they might've hit you or something or hurt you in verbal ways. And I think that it's hard when you don't have a support system. So getting a support system is crucial. Going to therapy is another thing. And the next one is therapy. So I guess we can kind of get into that here as well. But therapy being good or bad, I personally do love therapy. I highly recommend it for anyone that needs it. It is a trial and error. You might not like your first therapist. You might not like your third therapist. You might not like your 10th. But it's important to try therapy at some point in your life. And for some people, like, I know someone who they had to go to conversion therapy because their parents didn't believe that they were gay, so they sent them to conversion therapy, and that was really hard for them, and they, I I just feel so bad even talking about it because it's just so, it's so hard because then, like, knowing them and when they were in my life, it was really hard because I was their only source of happiness, and I I think that that gets to be a little bit difficult because then, like, you know your partner or whoever, like, your friend and someone, like, they don't have anyone but you. And so it's like, okay, well, you need to go see therapy. Go, Go see therapy. Go to a therapist. But, like, for the person that was in my life, they didn't feel comfortable seeing a therapist because the last therapist they had been to was a conversion therapist that literally sat them down and made them draw a picture of a household that had a mom and a dad and then kids. And that was what they were taught was the right thing. And this was when they were, like, 14, 15 years old. Like, that is really traumatic. That's really difficult to think about that people 
nowadays still believe that conversion therapy is a thing and believe that it's just hard because then that ruins therapy for other people. I know like my sister had struggles with getting a therapist. She just had a hard time finding the right therapist. And like she, once you find the right therapist, it gets a lot better. But sometimes it's one of those things where you just want to give up and you're like, I'm never going to find the right therapist. I can't do this. So when it comes to getting over an abusive ex, I think that therapy would be really important, even though it is a trial and error and it's hard because you don't want to tell your story to someone over and over and over again. But once you find that one therapist, like I've had the same one for almost two years and it's been amazing because she's known me so well. And I, I know it would be, excuse me, I know it would be really hard to find a new therapist at this point, just because like I was with her when I went through my first breakup. I was with her when I discovered that I might've had anxiety disorder. And then when we rediscovered that I had PTSD, like she was with me, she was there for me. Like she helped me get diagnosed. Like it's really important to have people to rely on. And sometimes it's nice to have a therapist because let's be honest, your therapist doesn't know anything about your life if you don't tell them about it. So with friends, like your friends know everything and your friends are a little bit biased because they want you to be happy, whatever, whatever. But with a therapist, they really want to sort through your problems with you. So when it comes to getting over an abusive ex or anything for that matter, it's important to go to therapy and to talk to someone that doesn't know anything about you or anything about your life and they just know about what you're telling them. You know what I mean? So I, I think that that's been very beneficial. And another way of getting over an abusive ex is, I don't want to necessarily say like rebound, but like talking to new people to realize that not everyone is like your ex was a big thing. For me, getting over my first relationship was like talking to new people and not necessarily having like a rebound, I would say, but like finding people that you have that connection with again and realizing that just because like you have history with your ex doesn't mean you need to go back to them because for some people, you try to have a connection with someone else and it's not the same connection and you're never going to have the same connection twice. Your connections are always going to be different, whether that's stronger, weaker, whatever, you aren't going to feel the same way for somebody that you felt for another person. Like, I just feel like it doesn't work like that. And maybe it does for some people, but it, it doesn't for me. I haven't witnessed that happen for anyone else. Because even when people say that they found love the first time, they find it again and it may be better or worse. Like, it, it's always different. So it's hard to move on. It's also hard to focus on yourself. I would recommend going to therapy and focusing on yourself when you feel ready to kind of step out and try new things, don't go to dating apps. Dating apps are stupid. I, no. I mean, I guess I, I used to use TikTok as a dating app, so I guess I can't really talk. I never actually had, like, real dating apps. Like, I never had Tinder. Tinder? Yeah, Tinder. Um, Bumble, I think, was another one. Hinge, maybe? I don't know. But I've never gone on any of those, but I definitely use TikTok because that was, like, a, <laughs> it was, like, a gay thing where it was, like, you find your soulmate on TikTok. I found mine at a tennis match, but whatever works for everyone else, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say that that's my advice on that and going through therapy because let's be honest, both of those things are some pretty heavy topics. So period. The next thing that I have is how to comfort others when they're sad. And this goes from person to person. This is really important. So for some people, comforting them is just listening to them. And Dee and I communicate with this a lot because like there are days when like when we, we just need someone to listen and so we'll call the other person and say like hey I need to talk to you about this I did this I 
Um, before I was filming this episode, I called them and I was like, I just need to rant to you before I get going on this episode because I just have a lot of built up tension and I just need to get it all out so that I can feel loose and ready for this episode. And they were like, okay, I'm here to listen. So I was able to rant to them and they were able to listen to me and I didn't necessarily need advice, but it was comforting for them to just be on the other side of the phone and listen to me. So for some people, you just need to listen to them to comfort them. And in other ways, comforting them is giving them advice, but it's always great to check with someone beforehand or after they say their thing and they're ranting to you or whatever. And then you're like, pause, do you want me to just listen or do you want to hear my opinion or my advice on this? And they'll say like, I would just really appreciate if you'd listen, or I'd really appreciate if you give me your advice. And another way to comfort with that is not showing facial expressions. I have been working on this one a lot of controlling my facial expressions because with people in my life, they were not great at, I guess, their facial expressions. So when I would be talking about something, they would like watch that, I guess. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I know what I'm trying to say. I'll explain it better. So when you're comforting someone and you make a face when they're telling you something. So you guys can't necessarily see my face, but if someone's telling you something and they just need you to listen and you start making a grossed out face or a face to where like you want to say something, but you're holding yourself back and you look like you're freaking constipated, like giving them more of a neutral face and just nodding your head and like making eye contact, showing that you're listening. That is probably one of the number one ways to comfort someone just because it shows them that you care and that you're listening. And this, do, this doesn't even go into always when they're sad, but just comforting someone in general when they're happy, when they're telling you a fun story, giving them your full attention is so amazing. Like, if you are doing something else, like, um, for example, I was on the phone the other night with someone, and I was cleaning up my room, but they wanted to talk about something, and I was like, are you okay with me listening to you while I'm cleaning, or do you want my full attention to where I'm, like, sitting and watching you? And they were like, no, you're okay, you can keep cleaning, I'll talk. So that was like, okay, cool, I can I can keep cleaning and I'll listen. And so that was good. And I was so comforting them when they were, you know, angry, happy, whatever, but they weren't necessarily sad. So when comforting someone in any emotion, I think the number the number three ways, top three ways to do it, is when comforting someone, you need to be one, listening to them. You need to, two, be making eye contact with them, nodding, having a neutral face. And then three, asking them if they want your advice or if they would just prefer for you to listen, listen to your opinion, listen to whatever they say on that, and then do it. Because if they tell you that they just want you to listen and you start giving your advice anyway, that is invalidating. So pay attention to those top three ways to comfort them. Man, that was good. I came up with that on the spot too, period. Uh, awesome. So the next thing is forgiving yourself and how to forgive yourself. Oh, this is a really good one. Um, I would say that it's definitely difficult to forgive yourself necessarily just because like, you know, depending on what's going on, you blame yourself for everything and you don't necessarily ever fully forgive yourself for whatever it is that you're going through. And that's just kind of how it is, you know, like you can try your best to, to, for, to forgive yourself and I think part of that is going back up into therapy where if you go into therapy, you talk to someone about it, you eventually learn maybe things that you didn't see before and why you were doing the things that you did. And then it gets better because you're like, I can't fully blame myself for this. So 
for an example that I've used a million times in the past is when I competed at the state track meet my senior year of high school and I was ranked 16th, I got 16th and I was devastated. Instead of looking at the fact that I got 16th out of everyone in the state in my event, I looked at it as, oh, I got 16th out of everyone in the state. Like what? You know, like you have to forgive yourself and it doesn't always go into you. So like the the affirmation that I always say at the end of every episode is you did the best you could today and that's all you can ask of yourself. I think that is probably a really, really good affirmation to use when it comes to forgiving yourself because you can't control everything. You have to kind of do that thing where it's like control what you can control, where there's like the little bubble that's like I can control what I'm eating, my exercise, um, what else can I control? I can control my attitude, things like that. And then on the outside, you can't control the weather. You can't control your competitors. You can't control maybe like the referees or the starters or anything. You can't control what they're going to do. Um, you know what I mean? Like you can't control everything, but you can control the little things in your circle and that works. And you can even look up online, like what are things that I can control? And then it'll tell you what you can control. And then you can kind of like make that. Like I have um, a little like circle thing at home. That's like, it's a, it's on a sticky note and it's a little circle that has all the things that I can control. And then I have a bigger circle that has all the things that I can't control. Or I have like a goal sheet that has like my goal at the top. And then it branches out into different like tree things where it's like, like a little arrow. And then at each end of the arrow, it says like the, like the arrowhead it says what I need to do to get there. And then from there I make another arrowhead and I can write out two things for each of those things. Like it's just, it goes into setting goals for yourself when you're going to forgive yourself and making the steps to listen to yourself. So even comforting, like when it goes into comforting others, it's a little different, but when you're comforting yourself, like you still have to listen to yourself. And I think that that's the hardest part because a lot of us don't want to listen to our inner thoughts or what is going on in our heads. So when it comes to forgiving yourself, looking to therapy, I think affirmations is a big thing. Put those up everywhere. I have them in my bathroom, in my book bag, in my journal, on my phone. Like there's a lot of places you can put things to remind yourself to forgive yourself no matter what the situation is. But I think the biggest first step with that would be to either go to therapy or talk to someone that may be an adult or a friend that you trust. Okay, so the next thing that I have is what to do on a self-care day. And, oh, I love self-care days. Those are probably the best days ever. And in my last episode, we kind of talked about, like, how it's important to, you know, be preventative with your self-care. So, like, doing it every day, daily self-care is important. But what to do on a day that is, like, fully just a self-care day. So, I'll, go, I'll walk you guys through my perfect self-care day. So, first, I'm going to wake up. And like I talked about before, I love to brush my teeth and wash my face right when I wake up just because it wakes me up and I feel a lot better during the day. Then from there, I'd probably take a hot shower and get all ready and whatever. And when I get ready, I would want to wear whatever clothes make me feel best about myself, whether that's dressing up or sweats. It kind of just depends on the day. Then from there, I would probably want to, I, I would personally wear athletic clothes that day, like, like leggings, kind of like what I'm wearing right now. No one can see what I'm wearing right now, but I'm wearing a t-shirt and leggings and then my Burks. But, um, oh my gosh, there's a hair. Ah, where's the hairs? Literally everywhere. Anyway, then I would want to for sure go grab fusion brew 
because I love Fusion Brew and Pop Boba and Bubbles and whatever anybody calls them, and tea. Those are very good. And then from there, I would probably want to drive to the nearest state park, which is either Matheson State Park or Starved Rock, which are both two of my favorite parks. And I would hike there for the day. And then I'd get to come back home, maybe make a picnic, go outside and read. Oh, the day would also be a sunny day, obviously. If I could, if I could control the weather, the weather, wow, it would be a sunny day. Um, but I would definitely just spend as much of my self-care day outside because being outside really makes me happy. It helps me be present in the moment, how to live in the moment. I probably, on a self-care day, would not be using my phone very much unless it was like to maybe take a few pictures. But even then, I probably wouldn't be posting them anywhere because, again, self-care day, hello. Um, yeah, and then I'd be able to kind of chill out for the night, maybe watch a movie or a TV. I'd probably watch an episode of my TV show because it's shorter, and then I'd read my book the rest of the night. So that's probably what I would do in a self-care day. It's more of whatever makes you feel recharged. So I was asking my partner last night, like, what makes you feel recharged? And, like, they didn't really know. Like, they were kind of in a um, spot where they were just, like, struggling. So I was kind of, like, giving them ideas of things. So, like, you can always just look up online, like, things to do in a self-care day or things to do to recharge mentally or physically. And you'll get those things. And, like, there's usually science behind some of them. So... If you wanted to be, like, scientific about it, you could look into seeing, like, what actually would, like, physically or emotionally benefit you on a self-care day. So that's what I would do. Next is feeling motivated. Ooh, feeling motivated. I would say just short and sweet. I mean, I, I just think that when it comes to motivation, you need that support around you. So... When it comes to feeling motivated, having a group of people around you or people around you that know what you need. So if you're like, hey, I need to work out tomorrow. I have a feeling I'm not going to want to, but please like tell me to do it. Like make your people force you to go or make your people check in on you. You know what I mean? Like I think when I know that people are checking in on me, it means that they care and that motivates me to do better and feel better throughout the day. So just a short and sweet, communicate with your people to help you get motivated. There's a lot of other different ways to get motivated, and I'll probably talk about that in future episodes, but just to keep that one short, that's what I would do. This next one is talking about when I should cry, and I want everyone to know that you are always allowed to cry no matter where you are, what you're doing. It's always valid to cry. Don't let anyone tell you not to cry. I have talked about this, excuse me, in previous episodes where I needed to cry one night. I told my friends like, hey, I think I'm going to go cry in my car for a little bit. Not in like a sympathy way, but just because like I was starting to get emotional in the room and I needed to like let off some steam. And they all were like, oh my gosh, no, please don't cry. Don't go cry. Don't cry, blah, blah, blah. And that made me so upset. It made me even more upset than I already was and I was having a bad day because if you need to cry, you need to let it out. If your friends need to cry, they should let it out. You know, like, you don't, for some people, people are a lot more emotional than others, and that's okay, but if you ever need to cry, like, you shouldn't feel ashamed of it, so always reassure someone that it's okay to cry, and, like, I communicated that with my friends that night, and, like, we've, they've helped me ever since, like, it just comes into, like, setting boundaries, like, you need to reassure yourself that crying is okay, crying is normal, crying is a bodily thing, I know there's, like, that stigma that's, like, guys don't cry, men don't cry, but, like, yeah, you do, and if you don't cry, like, you're holding back a lot of emotions, and you're probably depressed, so you can shut up. Oh, I hate that. I hate when, like, 
grown men or guys even our age are like, I haven't cried in like five years. Shut up. Like, yes, you probably have. Like, crying is a normal thing. And if you haven't, that's not healthy. Like, having a streak of not crying for five years, that's not healthy at all. No, I don't care what you have to say. Like, you should not be shoving down your feelings like that. Like, you might need to cry, whether it's a happy cry or a sad cry. That is okay. You are always allowed to cry. You're always allowed to feel your feelings. Just allow yourself to do it. Just find the places that make you feel okay to cry. So I personally like to cry in my car. That's what works best for me. I'll drive to a parking lot and I'll cry and that's okay. But you need to allow yourself to do it. You know what I mean? So reassure yourself, reassure anyone around you. It is okay to cry. Okay? Okay. So (laughs) I'm talking to you like you can talk back. That's okay though. So the next thing that I have is decision making. (sighs) I know we're all indecisive. We are all very indecisive. So whether it's finding a food place or deciding what you want to do that day, or maybe it's like as big as where you want to go to school. This is something I talked about in a recent episode, but you need to think about, is it a thing that I find joy in doing or do I just want to prove that I can do it? I talked about this with college tennis where I kind of just joined the team because I needed to prove to myself and everyone around me that I could be a dual sport athlete. And then I failed and that's okay. And I decided that it wasn't for me anymore. And as hard as that was, like I realized I wasn't doing it because I find joy in it. I was doing it because I wanted to prove that I could do it because I wanted free gear, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, but then going through the experience, I realized it's not something that brought me joy and I quit. And like, that was hard, but I did it. So when it comes to decision-making, even if it's like a college, you need to decide like, okay, am I going to this college because I really, really want to go there? Or am I just going to the college because that's where my parents went or that's where my friends are going and I'm too scared to go somewhere new. Like if you had you, okay. People say like, I can't make a decision. I don't care. Mm, We all definitely have an opinion. We all definitely care. We all just don't want to say what we feel. We don't like want to make the decision, but we do all secretly make that decision anyway. Like if you're looking at two muffins and you're like blueberry or chocolate, like, Oh, I can't decide what I want for the day or, you know, whatever. Like, you know what you want. You want chocolate or do you want something sweet? You know what I mean? Like, I know decision-making can be a little bit more difficult than that, but the way that I've been doing it recently is just like, is it something that I'm going to find joy in? Is it something I'm going to enjoy? Or am I just proving that I can do it? Or am I just doing it because someone else wants me to do it? So think about if you're doing it for yourself or not. And I think that that will help you with making decisions. Next we have saying goodbye to friends. Ooh, interesting. Um... Uh, This was asked by a sophomore in high school. So sometimes I think saying goodbye to friends is hard because whether or not it's like they're going away to college or it's just for the summer and you won't really be able to see them, like it's difficult to say goodbye. Whether you're saying goodbye to them for a day or you're saying goodbye to them for a month. I had to say goodbye to my best friend for two months and I don't get to see her for, it's three weeks now, but it was originally two months and I was losing my brain over it. But it gets better. You know, saying goodbye to friends, it's hard. It's 1,000% hard. And whether it's like a goodbye forever or it's a goodbye just for a little while. But I think that goodbyes are always difficult. But sometimes the goodbye is a good thing. Like it has good in the name for a reason. It's a goodbye. Because whether or not they're coming back or they're not, 
it's still going to benefit you for them to not be there for a little while. Whether that means like you're making new friends or that means that you get to focus on yourself or maybe it just means that you're going to see them soon, you know? Like there's a good part of every goodbye for a reason because it's in the name. So looking at the bright side of it, like it sucks leaving high school or just leaving for the summer. Like it sucks to say goodbye to people that you have seen for a while. But when you get to say goodbye, you have to think about the good part of that bye. So I would say every situation is different. So I don't want to have to give like a million different examples. But if you just think about what part of this may benefit you, and it it doesn't seem like it, especially if you're leaving high school and you know you're not going to like ever go to school with the same people again, like that's a really hard pill to swallow. But thinking of like, this was a goodbye because I'm moving on. I'm going to start, oh, excuse me. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to start a new chapter of my life. I'm going to go meet new people. I'm going to make new friends. Like it gets better. Also, um, I've yawned like two or three times in this episode. So if I've ever made you yawn back because you heard me, please let me know because I just think that that would be hilarious. Okay, sorry, that's all. I'm keep going. Okay, so this next build point is a couple ones down, but it kind of goes into like saying goodbye to friends, but it's about healing and moving on from a recent betrayal. And this is kind of difficult. This one, this one is a hard one because depending on like, it always depends on the situation. It depends on the betrayal. It depends on who did what to who, when, whatever. It's hard to say goodbye, but again, what I just said, like there's always a good part of that bye. So which is something that I low-key just came up with on the spot and I really like it, so catch me using that again in the future. But healing and moving on from a recent betrayal is hard, but the healing process, remember, it's not linear. And depending on whether or not you were the betrayer or the betrayee, is that the right term? I think it is. It makes a world of a difference. If you're the betrayer, you have to find new people and you might not even realize you're the betrayer. I mean, you might not even realize that you're the one that did what you may or may not have done or you can't accept that you're in the wrong so no matter what if you're losing a friend or something maybe reflect on that and see like was I the bad person because let's be honest in our own eyes we never see ourselves as the bad person but in other people's eyes you might be the betrayer or you might be the bad person and it's important to recognize which one you may be whether or not that's in your life or others lives because in your eyes you might be like I didn't do anything wrong I did everything right they're coming for me but in their eyes, like, you messed up in the first place. So you have to accept whether or not that's you. And when it comes to being the betrayee and, like, you're feeling betrayed by these people, like, it's hard to heal and move on, but you know that it's for the better, especially if you do have a support system. If you don't have a support system, this is the time where you get to, I think you just, oh, my gosh, excuse me. Wow, so many yawns today. This is the part where you get to say goodbye to those people and you get to maybe focus on yourself if you don't have that support system. But if you do have that support system, that's great because then you have other people you can turn to. But I think that there's two sides to every story. And like I said, a lot of us don't see ourselves as the betrayer in every story or in any story for that matter. So you got to look at it from both sides. You may be the bully, you may be the victim but there's two sides to every story. You kind of just have to be willing to listen to both sides instead of only hearing your own. So that's kind of what I got on that. Um, my next one is, ooh, getting started at the gym. Oh, I love the gym. It's just a slow start. I like to go to the gym when there's not a lot of people there no matter what. 
but especially when you're starting off at the gym, it's very intimidating. But I will tell you, nobody is looking at you. Everyone is so focused on themselves and bettering themselves. And even if someone does look at you, like you, oh my God, there's a person out there that just scared the bejesus out of me. OMG. Um, sorry, even if there is a person that might be looking at you, like, I could not tell you a single thing that I saw that was weird at the gym. Or, like, like I went to the gym yesterday, and I might have seen people, but, like, I couldn't tell you a single thing that any of them were doing. You know, like, I, I wasn't there to judge them. I was there to work on myself. And if you're going to the gym to judge people, you shouldn't be going to the gym. So, if you're going to the gym to work on yourself, great. Don't focus on other people. Like, just focus on yourself. And... I just think that it's nice to go to the gym and just relax, be by myself, turn up your music louder. Like if you're just getting started at the gym, you don't want to have that background noise. Like I have my volume up on my headphones so loud because I just want everything else to be drowned out. I don't want my mind to be moving unless it's to like think about the workout. Like that's the best time for me to kind of just like decompress. So I recommend putting in your headphones, accepting that no one's looking at you. And even if they were looking at you for that what, one hour that you're at the gym, you may or may not ever see them again. And even if you do, they're probably not even going to remember you because they were too absorbed in their own workout, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I think it's important to go to the gym and be absorbed in your own self and your workout because the whole point of going to the gym is to better yourself. And if you're judging people at the gym, literally leave. You are not welcome there anymore. So period. Also, make sure you're going to a good gym because like, my school gym is really nice, but if you go to a gym that's just, like, crappy or, like, has a lot of rules or something, like, don't go there. <laughs> I, I know that – I don't remember what gym it is, and I don't want to, like, call anyone out. But there was one gym that, like, is, like, very strict on, like, dress coding where, like, you're not allowed to wear a sports bra. You can't wear booty shorts or whatever. Like, shut up, you know? Like, people are allowed to work out in whatever they feel good in. Like, you can wear a baggy shirt or you can wear a sports bra or, you know, whatever, shorty shorts. Like, that's up to you. So do whatever you feel comfortable with in the gym. But I also really like to follow influencers with the gym. Um, I, I might post a couple on my Instagram after I post this, just because, like, if you want to get started at the gym, here's how to do it. But I really like looking at workouts from other people. There's this one girl who went to a high school in my town who has a fitness page that I watch occasionally where she, like, will post things. Um, or, like, I have a friend that is a, she's on the tennis team here. I'll, oh, I'll shout her out. Um, it's Caitlin Eats. I think that's your Instagram name, right? I hope so. Um, yeah, but hers is amazing. Caitlin Heller, she's amazing. Go to her Instagram, find Caitlin Eats, just follow it. She does awesome, like, fun recipes, workouts, like, whatever you need. They're great. I'm going to tell her that I shouted her out, so then she has to listen to this episode. <laughs> but um, if you ever need to go to the gym, like, talk to your friends. Don't go by yourself if you don't want to. I personally like to go to the gym by myself because I like to put in my headphones but other people don't like to go to the gym by themselves. They like to have someone with them, especially when you're getting going. Um, I know I'm going to start going with my sister, not necessarily because I need to, but I know that like she really wants to start going to the gym and I would love to help her get into that. So just look into maybe influencers or people that you see that might have some good workouts for you. Some influencers will make you feel self-conscious. So you kind of have to like be prepared for like who you want to see, what you want to see, what you're looking for. But you can literally find that stuff on Instagram or anything. So I definitely recommend looking that stuff up before going to the gym and just getting familiar with different weight lifting ideas and things like that or different machines that you want to use, whether that's for weight lifting or cardio or biking or whatever. But 
yeah, that's what I got on that one. The next thing that I have is talking about summer depression and being home for college, which was a really good one. And I think that this one kind of deserves an entire episode by itself because this is just such a big one. Um, for all my college students out there, this is a this is a, a bit of a difficult one just because you find you, – you might have left home for college. You might have stayed in town. But – if you left or stayed in town, like you still have people that you met that probably do have to leave or do stay in town and you won't be with them. And that's really hard because you found all these people that you, that are your people and you spent a full, what, like eight to 10 months with them. And now you're expected to just like be done and not see them for two months. And it's like, wait, not even like, I think for me, I'm not seeing my people for four months, three months. It kind of depends on when you leave, but like, my year ended in April. I took an extra month, so I got to see some of my friends a little bit longer. But for others, like, at my school, we're not going to be here from May, June, July, and then most of August. So that's four months that I'm not, like, I wouldn't have seen the people that I love. And I just think that that would be so freaking difficult. Like, you're, you can make as many trips as you want and stuff, but, like, it's hard to not see your people for that long. And so visiting them would be a big thing keeping in touch with them. It's also hard because for some people, like you don't stay in contact with people from high school. I know I personally haven't really stayed in contact with a lot of people from high school just because I haven't really felt the need to. Like I don't really want to stay in contact. You know what I mean? Like I'm moving on. I'm starting a new chapter in my life. But then I come home for the summer and I'm like, hold on, wait, I don't want to spend the whole summer by myself. And that's, I think, a point where you get to reconnect with people from high school and you get to like learn more about what their experience was in college. Like you guys have both grown over the last year of not seeing each other. Maybe it's going to be a fun time for you to meet up with them, rekindle that friendship, that connection. I don't know. I think I think that that would be really fun to even just try out. And then being away from college, I think, is another thing that's a little bit hard because, like, it's one thing to be away from the people at the college, but it's another to be away from the college itself, whether or not it's, like, you enjoy it the most because of the people. But even just the environment, not being there is hard. Like, I know I get to be at Illinois Wesleyan all summer, which is nice. But for other people, like Kaylee or who else? Like Daniel, like, they both live in New Orleans. Steven lives in Maryland. Um, like, Bella lives in Tampa, like they don't get to come back to campus and we're all just on opposite sides of the globe. And it's like, crap, like, where are you guys going? You know, like Lucy and I are kind of close because Lucy lives in Springfield, but even then, like she doesn't drive on the interstate too much. So like, it's just hard to be away from those people in the environment, but staying in contact, I think is the biggest thing. And then like, even if I kind of talked about before, like taking some time away from them, I think I talked about this in a recent episode or maybe it was this one. I don't remember, but Taking time away from them is also a nice thing to kind of just, like, because you may have felt suffocated by that, and now you get some time away to kind of just, like, decide what you want to do, how you want to proceed with things next semester. Like, you just get a break. So I think that taking a break from them is all important, but it's also really nice to talk to them because then when you get to see them again when you come back in the fall, like, it's just so exciting, and it's, like, that new love again, that honeymoon phase with all of your friends, like, in a platonic way. (laughs) But yeah, I think that that's what I got on that one. So the last bullet point that I have is, it's just a little funny one, and I can't tell if it was a joke or not, but it's when to stop talking or when to shut up. And this one just made me laugh when I saw it, which is why I'm putting it in last. But I think it's important, I don't think you necessarily need to like stop talking, 
but find people that are willing to listen to you speak. Because in some friend groups, like, there are people that talk a lot, and there's some people that don't talk enough. And, like, when you find the people that want to listen to you, that's kind of when you found your people. So it's not necessarily about, like, when you need to stop talking, but it's, like, when you find the people that are willing to listen to you speak. So that that was a little bit of a shorter one, just because I don't necessarily know what the context was of that one. But, yeah. So... <laughs> that's kind of all I got for this episode. This one is probably also a little bit shorter, but thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate all that you guys do. Um, if you guys have any episode ideas, please DM me on Instagram at Marissa Hagler and remember that you did the best you could today and that's all you can ask for yourself. Remember that you matter and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.